there's such a cultural shift taking place in our nation. And not by accident or by some evolutionary process. No, but it's actually happening as intentional disruption of morality and spirituality. Driven by the spirits of the Antichrist of this age. It's a spiritual conspiracy to overthrow our world, fueled by an evil plot by our adversary, the devil. Wanting to destroy as much and as many lives as he can before the second coming of Jesus Christ, because he knows, church, his days are numbered. He knows that when the lion of the tribe of Judah shows up, he is finished, his assignments are canceled, and he will spend an eternity in a place called hell. So all of this turmoil is all due to the fact the enemy has turned up the heat upon this nation wanting to destroy its core values. Due to its biblical foundation, planted by our spiritual forefathers, that has led us to be a prosperous nation because of our enduring efforts to live by godly principles that were established in the Word of God. Therefore, establishing our nation as one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, due to the end times quickly approaching our world, good and evil are warring in the heavenlies. And upon this earth, bringing forth perilous times that were prophesied for this hour. You see, it was one thing when it was this thing, and you had to deal with it. Then it was that thing, and you had to deal with that. But we always managed to keep things under control, didn't we? Then it seemed like it went from this and that to that, that, and that. And over a short period of time, a slippery slope of moral decay began to evolve. And many begin to do what they've seen as right inside of their own eyes. To where it went to being from one thing after another to where it started taking everything you got in you to fight to keep your head above water, to keep your faith strong, to keep your mind settled, to protect your family from the wiles of the enemy. But even since then, all of a sudden, in these past few years, it has modulated to the point to where it's all coming at you at once. All hell has broke loose in your life, overwhelming to the point many have just thrown up your hands as to say, you got me, I surrender. Can anybody in here testify I'm telling the truth? Sir, ma'am, if it helps you, you need to know the whole church is going through this evil assault. All hell has been released upon the church. But I read in the infallible word of God, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. It didn't say, he didn't say it wouldn't come against it. He said it wouldn't prevail against it. So this is what's going on. Spiritual warfare is taking place. But let me start with a statement that might shock some of you this morning. I'm fixing to tell every believer we're better off than we think. Oh, the looks I'm getting from some of you. Looking at me like, really? I'm saying we're better off than we have been led to believe. Speaking of all the lies and the propaganda and the deception being passed through a defeated narrative that's consuming every media platform sponsored by numerous antichrist spokesmen of the hour. How many of y'all done for God or don't believe God said no weapon formed against us shall prosper? Come on, let me feed you some more, then I'm going to preach. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 15, verse 12 through 14. Let's continue to get more insight to what's going on. It's in verse 12 that says, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep 
fell upon Abraham. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Sounds to me like he was having himself a nightmare. That the effects of the times he was living in was burdening him. This moment signifies the state of the world he was living in at this time. And through this encounter with God, he foresaw around him a time of darkness and horror was coming. Then in verse 10, then he, God, said to him, No, certainly your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also, in other words, he says, know this, the nation whom they will serve, which is Egypt, I will judge. In other words, they'll be judged what they do to my people and they will pay you for it. And afterwards, they shall come out. They shall come out. I like when God says shall. That don't mean maybe they're going to come out. That don't mean possibly they could come out. No, he said they shall come out. In other words, ain't nothing going to stop it. If I said it, I meant it. God is not a God that he should lie. Come on, somebody. God was saying, Abraham, your descendants are going to go through some suffering through the dark times to where all hell is going to come against them. They are certainly going to be in bondage and slaves for 400 years. But after that, they're going to come out of it with great possessions. When it's all over, when they're done going through what they're certainly going to go through, I'm going to judge their enemy, and your enemy's going to pay you for the troubles that they put you through. And some of all y'all in here, with what you've been through, your enemy owes you a lot. Now, let's go to Exodus 3, verse 19. God is speaking to Moses about the day of their deliverance. And God told Abraham to, to go tell Pharaoh, and to Moses to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. Talking about there's not a man who can even force him to let you go. So God says, so I will stretch forth my hand. There's no hand more powerful than the mighty hand of God. And I will strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. He didn't say he might let you go. He didn't say he will probably let you go. No, he said he will let you go. He's speaking to their enemy. When I get through with you, you will let them go whether you want to or not. I don't care what kind of stronghold you got on my people. I will break it. And then in verse 21, and I will give this people favor in sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. In other words, when you come out of this, this mess you're in, you ain't coming out of this thing empty-handed. I'm preaching now. God says, you're coming out of it with my favor. You'll be blessed and highly favored with a great substance. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Some of y'all ain't getting this just yet. You may have gone through a season of captivity, of bondage, and pain, and sorrow, and your enemy may have had an upper hand on you for some time now, but God says to tell you, you're coming out of it, and you're not coming out of it empty-handed. You're going to come out of it stronger, and better, and more tenacious than you've ever been. Hallelujah. God says, believe me. When I say I'm going to judge your enemy for all the pain and suffering he has caused you, he's going to pay you back because what you went through has been for a purpose. There was a rhyme, and there was a reason for it. And as a result of what you went through, there is a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory working in you. You're coming out of what you've been through with my favor on your life. 
My mighty hand will set you free. It will cause your enemies to let you go because greater is he that's within you than he that is in the world. God says, I didn't allow you to go through what you went through to destroy you. I actually used it to shape you and to mold you so that when you come out of all the hell you've been through, you're going to be a better you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> to where there ain't no devil can stop you from what you're to do. Look at somebody and say, we ain't coming out of this empty-handed. Sorry, wrong neighbor. That one didn't get it. Tell the other neighbor. <laughs> then in verse 22, every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, for articles of silver and gold and clothing, and you should put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. In other words, God says, you're taking back everything the enemy has stole from you and your children and your children's children will inherit your blessings. Come on. You want your children to have it better than you've had it? Well, they're fixing to have it the way. They're fixing to be blessed because of you, because of the favor of God he's going to put on your life. Wow, ain't nobody shouting in here loud enough just yet, so I'll just keep on preaching. Come on, church. I knew this would be a hard message to preach in Missouri, the show me state. Well, get ready. God's fixing not show just Missouri, but he's fixing to show the whole world I am God. And when I put my hand on your enemy, he's going to let you go. He said up in verse 19, your enemy, enemy ain't going to let you go. But then in verse 21, he gave his people favor. And then by verse 22, his people are coming out, and they ain't leaving ha empty-handed. Oh, God, bring us out today. We're ready to come out. We've been suffering. We've been struggling for too long. The warfare is intensifying. Send us a deliverer, O oh God. Behold, horror and great darkness have fell upon us. And we pray today that the mighty hand of God will force our enemies to release his grip on your people. In the name of Jesus, somebody shout amen. Oh, come on, church. This text in Exodus 3 is the prophetic fulfillment of what God had said to Abraham in Genesis 15 when he said to them, your people will be enslaved for 400 years in a land that's not theirs. And afterwards, they're going to come out with, I could stop right there and not even read the next line and get excited even if I have to all by myself this morning. Just to hear God alone promise, I'm going to come out. Just to hear him say, I'm going to go through some stuff, but I promise you, you're going to come out of it. Let's just take a moment and you begin to imagine what it's going to be like when you come out of the mess that you're in. When your children and your children's children come out of the mess that they're in, come on, somebody. I don't know about you. I've only been preaching 15 minutes, and I'm already encouraged if I never say another word. <laughs> to know that at some point I'm going to come out of what I'm going through better because I went through. How about you? See, there's a lot of people who are convinced there's no way I'm coming out of what I'm in. It's been this way for years. They see no hope of it ever being any different. It's encouraging, though, to hear that God's people are going to come out of what we're going through. You see, when you've been in some stuff, like some of you have been in, you don't even got to know when you're coming out. If you can just get assurance that there's going to be a time you're coming out, that things are going to change, there's going to be a turnaround coming. When you know that, then you're encouraged to endure hardship as a good soldier, encouraged to keep on fighting. I don't mind fighting so hard if I know I'm going to win in the end. You see, you may, see, maybe you ain't never been in nothing, but I've been in some stuff I didn't think I was ever going to get out of. 
I mean, I've been in some fights I thought I was never going to win. I've seen some times when I know how I was going to feed my kids. I've seen times when I could care less if I ever woke up the next morning. There's been times where I believe this thing's going to take me out, but I'm still here because God brought me out of it just like he said he would. I just had to remember in the meantime. You know what the meantime is? That just means when the times are mean. I just had to remember in the meantime to not get weary in well-doing. How did I do that? By believing that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. That's how Paul said he endured what he went through. So you just got to hear God promise me. I'm going to come out of it. It's good news to me. If anybody agrees with me, right here is where you really need to start shouting with me. Come on. So let me finish what he said. He said they're not only going to come out, they're going to come out with great possessions, great substance. Going to come out with more stuff than you had before you had all the mess in your life. Now, I know what some of y'all are already thinking. That can't happen. That don't calculate. That don't add up in American arithmetic. It don't add up in the natural. Can I tell you what your problem is with your perspective? God don't add. He multiplies. That's right. And through supernatural mathematics, in God's mathematical equation, two plus two isn't always four. You see, in the natural, if you have something, someone takes it away from you, all you got left is nothing, correct? Simple arithmetic. That's what you've been taught in our school systems, correct? It's a simple equation. Johnny's got two apples. You eat one apple, and Johnny eats the other apples. How many apples you got left? None. That will always be the correct answer unless you went to school in Dudley. Now, that was for the pastor in case he's listening online today. <laughs> but in a supernatural equation taught by the Word of God, if you have something and your enemy takes it away from you, you get it back 40, 60, and 100 fold. <laughs> now, you ain't going to be taught that in your high school mathematics class. You got to learn this in your Bible class. Anybody in here ever been in something bad, but when it was all over, you came out better and stronger and wiser than you've ever been? There we go. Somebody's testifying. Usually when you're in it, you don't spend much time expecting to come out of it and even being a better you when it's over. I must tell you this, and many don't want to hear this. The thing that's going to qualify you for greater substance is great affliction. To receive something great is going to cost you something big. They don't want to hear greater the battle, the greater the victory. They don't want to hear how far you go down determines the height in which you come up. Don't nobody want to hear the deeper you go in determines the length of how far you come out. You see, when God loves you, according to Romans 8 and 38 and 39, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, God loves you enough to no matter how deep you're in it, if you're in it, he's in it with you. There's no mountain too high. There's no valley too low that he can't reach you, and he loves you enough to bring you out of it. Come on. He's proven it. Just ask Daniel. 
Even if you're in a lion's den, just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if you're in a fiery furnace, Daniel went in, and as promised, he came out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in, and as promised, they came out. And don't miss this part. All these men came out of what they went through better, stronger, and wiser than they've ever been. And everything they went through was for a purpose, and at times, times it was, what they went through wasn't about them. It was about somebody else. Now, we miss that fact a lot of the times. How about that sometimes we see people going through some things, and we don't know why they're going through what they're going through. Sometimes what they're going through is not about them. It's about somebody else, that somebody else through them can be touched through their lives. Come on, somebody. We're living in a day when we've raised a generation to where everybody wants to be great, but nobody wants to go through anything to become anything. There's a spirit of entitlement upon this generation. They think they're entitled to be, to be great, to have great things about paying for them or going through anything to get them. And many fail to understand there's a process needed to have great things to do great things. You just don't leap into greatness. Just don't wake up into greatness. As many believe that's how it happens, you walk into greatness one faithful step at a time. As your adversity strengthens you and matures you. And can I tell you, you'll never get there by always taking the road of least resistance. The Bible says you must be prepared to, do, to endure hardness as a good soldier. So you see, you'll never be great until someone lies on you, until somebody breaks your heart, until somebody tells you you'll never amount to nothing, but you don't let it stop you. You keep pushing forward. You believe that no weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. So you got to go through some stuff like that. Come on, somebody. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory and Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My, my, my. So Peter's telling me after I've gone through what I've gone through, after I have suffered for a while, God himself, through my sufferings, through my sufferings, will perfect me, confirm me, strengthen me, and establish me. Now, that's not what I said. I simply said what he said in his word. And church, his word is forever settled in heaven. Hallelujah. So if you want to do, be great or do something great for the kingdom of God, know you're going to suffer some things. You know, we have a distorted uh, understanding or even perhaps never heard of what greatness truly is. Jesus describes greatness in Matthew 18, 1 through 4. His disciples actually come to him and even ask him directly, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And the Bible says, and Jesus called a little child unto him, set him in the midst of them, and said, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not inherit the kingdom of, God, of heaven. Whoever therefore shall humble themselves as this little child the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then he puts it even more in simpler terms, what greatness is in Matthew 23 and 11. He says, the greatest among you will be your servant. So if you have ever wondered who God's going to bless, just look at somebody who's got a servant's heart. Somebody who's been greatly persecuted and never wavered in their faith. 
Somebody who understands many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God shall deliver me from them all. Somebody who's been in a lion's den but refused to quit, but never refused to quit praying. Somebody who's been in a fiery furnace, but they refused to bow down. Come on, I'm talking to the saints in this room have declared, though he slay me, I will trust him. To the many who still believe, though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. To those that believe that when I'm come out of this thing, I'm not coming out empty-handed. I'm not coming out like I win. I'm coming out better than I've ever been. Come on. I've learned. I don't have to understand it. I just got to endure it because this light affliction will bring a far greater eternal weight and glory to my life. That'll preach. In other words, what I endure down here is going to bring me a greater reward up there. We as our people are living some of the darkest times our nation has ever had. And I'm not trying to bring gloom and doom to you. I'm trying to tell truth to you, to help you understand what's going on and to encourage you to keep fighting. Darkness is all around us. Can it get even darker? Yes, it can. It was prophesied to by the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 16:2. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. That prophetic statement alone is currently becoming a reality. But he doesn't end there. He goes on to prophesy and say, For behold, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people. I noticed here he speaks of two types of darkness. He mentions one that will cover the earth, but he also speaks of a gross darkness that will cover the people. We need to understand what this gross darkness is, church. When he says darkness upon the earth, he's speaking of the spiritual darkness. The evil times that are all around us. And the word translated as gross darkness passage, Raphael, refers to a heavy cloud. Unlike the darkness, which is simply the absence of light, Raphael actually prevents light from getting to you. So what is gross darkness on the people? It is the darkness of shame and isolation. The darkness of the enemy's oppression. And the darkness of hopelessness that covers the lives of people. And this is all brought about on the people by the darkness upon the earth in which we leave, live, which leads people without hope to live in gross darkness. It's like a dark cloud that hangs over a person's life, one of oppression and depression to where the light can't seem to pierce to break through it. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. You see, it got worse for the Israelites for, while in 400 years of bondage before things got better, before they ever got delivered, it got worse. They got worse for Job before they got better and got doubled back for his troubles. They got worse for Joseph before his dream came to pass. But in every one of those cases, they trusted God. It may have got dark in your life and then got even darker, but hear ye the word of the Lord. Hear the rest of the prophetic promise spoken by Isaiah as he promised in the midst of this darkness. The Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles, that's us, shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. He was telling them, Jesus is coming, the light of the world. And he alone, with his mighty hand, can pierce the darkness over this land and over your life and set you free from your bondage of oppression and depression and hopelessness and despair. If you will come to the light and give your heart to Jesus Christ, the light of the world, he'll bring you out of your gross darkness. Come on. Yes, give him praise. 
As a minister of the gospel, I can affirm spiritual darkness is upon this earth. As was prophesied by the prophet Joe when he said, In last days, perilous times shall come. And I can affirm gross darkness is upon the people. The spiritual darkness on the earth has overtaken the minds of so many who feel like there's a dark cloud over their lives, over their family, leading them to feel hopeless. We're living in that hour that was prophesied where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. But be not dismayed. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Jesus has come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Arise and shine, and let your enemies be scattered. This is what's going on. Gross darkness has come upon so many people's lives. Oh, I know it appears... It's just doing, that most people are just doing honky-dory, right? You ask them, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed, and maybe you are. It sure appears that you are on the outside. But you don't know what's going on behind the scene in so many people's lives. With people trying to cope with the hardships of life. Can we just be real for a moment? It's time to let people know being me isn't easy. It's not for the faint of heart. I have fought with my fears. I have wrestled with my doubts. I have allowed my insecurities to stop me. I have fought with my haters. I have fought with my liars. I have fought with backbiters. And I have fought with betrayers. There has even been days I've had to fight with my family. And many, too many times I've laid on a bed and I've had to cry myself to sleep feeling hopeless and all alone. And many nights I couldn't even go to sleep because I was even fighting with myself and all this darkness that surrounded me. Am I talking to anybody in here besides just myself? Come on, be honest. You may have not seen any of that. You only seen the good side of me the strong side of me, but let me tell you something. I have fought, and I have fought, and I have fought tooth and nail, but I declare to you, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith through it all. The apostle Paul was beaten, mocked, ridiculed, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, even beheaded for his faith, but he said it was a good fight. And then he said, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to me, not only to me, to those that are at his appearing. He didn't come out of his mess empty-handed, and I'm not coming out of my mess empty-handed either. Hallelujah. Remember I said, what I go through down here is going to give me a greater reward up there. I'm not going to leave this world, this mess, empty-handed. I may go through hell on earth, but if I stand steadfast, unmovable, unshaken by the darkness of this world, I will spend an eternity in the portals of glory, whereby my Father will say, Well done, thy good and faithful Son. Enter into your eternal resting place. So you see, I'm better off than I think. Come on, somebody. The dark cloud of oppression, gross darkness has only one purpose, and that is to shut you down from what God is wanting to do through you. It's a constant fight. It's like you make one step forward, and you get pushed right back down by the darkness that's around you. 
We are living just like in the days of judges where the backdrop has never been so dark. The political darkness is beyond anything our forefathers of our country could have ever imagined. But every believer better get a hold of this word right here. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Has anybody in here got a praise this morning? <laughs> praise him in your darkness. Which in times past, you were not a, pe not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. That's what I'm telling you. You're better off than you've ever been led to believe. There was a time you weren't even God's people. You had not mercy. You had not hope. You had no way out. But when you became a believer of Jesus Christ, you have therefore obtained mercy, and mercy shall see you through the darkest hours of your life, just like he did for Israel. Somebody in this place ought to be shouting, I'm coming out. It's been hard. It's been long, but I'm coming out. Now, back to my opening passage for just a moment here. God put Abraham into a state of a deep sleep during a time of great darkness was upon the earth. In that moment, he spoke to him to forewarn him that his people are going to be persecuted for 400 years. 400 years. And we can't take four days To let Abraham know, when it happens, it's not by no accident. That is actually his plan for them with a purpose. And he promised him that he will bring them out of it with great substance. That he would make the enemy that persecuted them bless them before it was over. He said, but before I do, they're going to suffer some things, though. The darkness all around them was going to bring gross darkness upon the people, such as oppression, depression, deception, hopelessness, and boy, did it ever. Their enemy just kept turning up the heat. But he let Abraham know that these things would seem so bad will actually be used for the purpose of turning their hearts back to me, to where they will come to a place they will cry out in their darkness for me to deliver them. You see, the deliverance in Israel was already settled before this plan even begun. You see, God doesn't allow anything to happen to his people if there isn't a purpose for it to, be, to better his people. Because his plans always have a purpose for his people. You see, I can deal with pain that has a purpose. I just can't deal with purposeless pain. You see, I can understand to bring my out-of-shape body back into shape, it's going to take a plan. And I know that that plan is going to include the pain of exercising. To turn my situation around to make me better, I understand the pain because of the purpose. And I know when I come out of it, I'll be better because of the pain I went through. I understand no pain, no gain. And God was telling Abraham, I'm going to emancipate them, but before I do, I'm going to turn their world upside down for a greater purpose. I'm going to ask my musicians to come. I'm about to bring this thing to a close. So what is wrong? 
spirits of darkness is upon the earth. And the effects of it is bringing gross darkness upon the people of this earth, the just and the unjust. So how do we endure it and overcome it? By allowing the light of the world into our hearts. To where he not only signs upon us with his love, but he signs through us. Jesus said to the believers, let your light so shine before men so they can see your good works, good works and glorify your Father that's heart in heaven. How is it we don't have it as bad as we are to believe? Well, as a believer, you have a promise God's bringing you out of this darkness. As an unbeliever, you have no hope. As a believer, have you given much thought to the day you leave this old dark world and your reward is spending the eternity in the splendor of heaven? Where there'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more dying, that the Lord himself will dry every tear from your eye? Have you given much thought to the ones that have gone on before you? How blessed they are to have made it out of this mess. Because the light of the world came down and shined upon them and brought them out and gave them a greater substance called eternal life. Darkness has covered the earth. And the darkness of the earth has brought gross darkness upon the people. These are perilous times we're living in, in the end times, before the second coming of the Lord. The light of the world is fixing to come to deliver us out of this darkness. And as believers, we will receive the greatest reward of our lives, eternal life. And we will then realize everything we went through had a purpose. And we'll realize we aren't leaving this world empty-handed. No, we're going to leave this world with great substance. There are people in here today, your world has been turned upside down. If you be all honest, not a one of us has not felt the effects of the darkness around us upon our lives. Felt the effects of the gross darkness, shame, isolation, hopelessness, oppression, depression. It rains on the just and the unjust, so there's no exceptions. But the good news, no matter how dark this world gets, or how dark gross darkness gets, Jesus, the light of the world, has promised you shall come out of it. He can pierce your darkness. Would you stand with me, please?